Would you uh, join with me as I pray? So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth that um, you are the only one worthy of our praise. So, Lord, now as we continue to praise you and worship you by turning our minds' attention and our hearts' affection upon you and your word, I pray that we would be ever mindful of the fact that with all of the things you have to do in all of the universe that declares your glory, your attention is perfectly on this place. Meet with us now, open our eyes, and open our ears, that we would behold wonderful things from your word. To you and you alone be the glory, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good morning. You know, we talk about in this series, we're in the ninth week of the series, Upon This Rock, and we talk about how the, the, the title of the series came from the scene where the disciples are walking along with Jesus, and he turns around and he asks them, so who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you're the Christ, you're the promised one, you're the Messiah, you are the, the son of the living God, and he says, and upon that rock, upon that proclamation of the truth, that I am the prom all of the promises of God. I will build my church. Well, there's another scene that we're going to look at at the start of our time today where they're listening to Jesus pray. And if you've ever been around someone who's a really good prayer, you're like, man, I'd love to pray like him. So you can imagine listening to Jesus pray. Because I'm guessing he was a pretty good prayer. And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, come on, this is going to be great. And so we're going to start there this morning in this message on prayer. So open your Bibles up, not to the passage of the day that we will look at in a minute, but open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We have people that would love to hand you one. If you don't um, have one of your own, we'd love for you to keep that one so that you have the Word of God in your hands. But today is going to be a little bit different in that we're not just going to talk about prayer, we're going to actually pray. You know, on the first Sunday fellowship, we usually, instead of doing communion at the end of the message, we respond to God in prayer. We have a prayer Sunday. Well, today we're going to spread that out and we're going to mix it up during the message. As I teach on prayer, we're going to take time to pray. And so, um, and so we're going to, don't worry, you're not going to have to do anything weird. Um, everybody can be comfortable, but we're going to hopefully not just um, hear about what it means to pray, but we're going to actually practice it. And we're going to do that in a lot of different ways because there are many ways to pray. One of them is to pray the Lord's Prayer, which is in Matthew chapter 6. Guys, here's the thing. We all, if you're sitting here this morning, I mean, let's just be real for a minute. If you're sitting here this morning, how many of you would say that prayer is the weakest part of your spiritual walk with the Lord? How many of you would say that prayer is, your weakest, is the weakest part of your spiritual walk with the Lord? I, I think I hear that a lot. I mean, I, it's certainly true in my life. It's certainly true. And, and I think we all know that we should pray. So today's message is not about the fact that we should be praying. We don't even know, if you're sitting here this morning, why we should pray. So that's not what the message is about. The problem is, we don't really know how to pray. And when I say how, I don't mean have the right format, because we're going to see today that there are lots of different ways to pray to God. 
But the other, the really just, there's just one way to pray to him, and that's through Jesus Christ. But there's lots of words and ways you can form your thoughts. And so we're going to look at those today. But the, the other part, so we don't really know how to pray, and we don't know what to pray. So what happens to our prayer lives often is we pray the same old way about the same old things. And our prayer life gets monotonous. And things that are monotonous, we don't tend to keep doing. And so part of my desire today is to give you a glimpse in the Word of God, not Doug's opinion about how you can pray, but in the Word of God, how you can pray a lot of different ways. Some of them may resonate with your spirit and go, yeah, I could totally do that. And others are like, that's just weird. Like, I, I, I can't do that. I would be too distracted. But hopefully you're going to get like a sampling of ways to pray. So in this scene where he says, where the disciples say, ask, he is say, teach us to pray, Jesus starts in John or sorry, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, he says, pray then this way. And, and then he starts to formulate this, this fairly well-known, what we call the Lord's Prayer. My, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And you maybe heard that said over and over. If you grew up in a religious background and not a relationship background, you maybe were taught to, to just repeat that prayer religiously over and over. One of the things I did on the sabbatical is I read a book by John MacArthur um, on Alone with God. And what he talked about was praying the Lord's Prayer lots of different ways. He wrote it 25 years ago or so, and, and it really has spoken in my heart. So we're just going to get a taste of what today is going to be like. By, I'm going to sort of show you what I have been doing almost every day, because I do other, other examples of praying through Scripture um, that I'll show you in a few minutes. I do those too, but, but more often than not, every morning as part of my time with the Lord, I'm praying through the Lord's Prayer like this. So pray with me. Don't just sit here and watch me. Pray with me. When I say that, like you, when I come up here before a message, I say, pray along with me. Guys, if you didn't know this, if you say amen at the end of my prayer, you know what you're saying? I agree. That's what I mean by pray with me. I don't just mean sit and watch me pray or listen to this. I mean, let your heart be with my heart as we lift these words up to the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do now. And it may get weird because I've never done that. We've not done something like this before. And I'm not weird, just like you might feel awkward. I probably will feel awkward. That's okay. We're family. If we can't be awkward in front of our family, who can we be awkward in front of, right? So, with that, here's what I would do. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I stop and I think, Lord, what, what, which of those, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? What stands out? You are a good Father. And your name is holy and is meant to be honored and you are in heaven, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, Father, your will is being done perfectly in heaven. And you have us here to help your will be brought forward here on this earth. So use me today, use us today, use us this week to see your will done here as it is being done perfectly now in heaven even as we look forward to the day that you come. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you will meet every one of my needs today. You will. You promise it. I don't need to worry about my needs for tomorrow because you tell me you will meet those needs when tomorrow gets here. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I I have seen in my own life and have confessed before my brothers and sisters in Christ that the, 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 the more I practice extending your forgiveness and your grace to others, the more of your grace I taste. So Lord, help us to be quick to forgive, for we are completely forgiven in Christ. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that makes demons flee, that you would compel Satan away from me and from my brothers and sisters, from these sweet families that are here, from those that cannot be with us this morning as they travel. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from the evil one and keep the evil one from us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lord, give us a long view Help us not to live for the needs of this moment, but for eternity. For your kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And you will reign gloriously, and we will be with you in it for all eternity. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Isn't it interesting that in that prayer that he prays, he says, there's this, his disciples that teach us to pray, and he immediately, there's, there's, there's one line in there, maybe a line and a half, depending on how you look at it, that has anything to do with what we spend most of our time praying about. Right? Give us today our daily bread. That's the extent of his, here's the things that consume most of our time, our health, our finances, our food, or or whatever our issues are of the day, our schedule, how am I going to get all this done? Like, Jesus gives one little line. He's just saying, it's okay to pray to God for that, but most of the stuff in that modeled prayer is eternally focused. So one of the questions that you're going to hear over and over this morning is, how much of what you pray for, when you do pray, has any eternal significance at all? Like, is part of why your prayer life so kind of maybe, yeah, is because the things you're praying for are just kind of, you know, you're like, yeah, I I don't really want to bother God with that. If if you're thinking that, and you have a right view of who God is, and he's not bothered by you, then then maybe, but you feel like, yeah, that's, then maybe it's not something that really, it's probably not that, it's not something you can't pray for. It's just something, there's probably better things you could be praying for, bigger things you could be praying for, eternal things you could be praying for. But I get ahead of myself. So today, what we're going to look at is the question is, what's the secret to living this victorious Christian life Christ promises? What is the secret to, and guys, here's, what I've, here's how that question relates to prayer. Because I have, I have become rem- renewed in my conviction, I guess, or maybe, maybe for the first time, really, I, you, if you've been here very long, you know. Sean talked about it. What is my soapbox? Be in God's Word every day. Unfortunately, what I feel like I have done in my own life and then compelled some of you into is we have God's Word and, and, and devotionally reading and responding to God's Word every day, and then we have all of the other spiritual disciplines. We need to evangelize, we need to disciple, we need to serve, we need to be a part of a church family. And oh, by the way, yeah, we need to pray too. 
right? It's the word and all this other stuff. I, I, am, I am convicted by what I see in Scripture that that is not what Jesus thought. It is the word and prayer, and they are like two sides of the same coin. One goes in hand with the other. And if we cannot... Now, guys, if we're praying without the word, our, our words are not very strong and powerful because God's word is what is strong and powerful. But if we're in the world without praying, this just becomes a textbook. And we don't want that. And so my encouragement would be that we see prayer as important as being in God's word every day. When I ask guys, often when I meet with guys individually or as groups, so tell me about your time in the Word. And often, as I mentioned last week, they'll, you know, like they'll default to, well, I'm, I'm reading this book about. When I was teaching on the Word, I talked about that, about how, yeah, well, I'm reading this book for the 30th time. Okay, but that's not this, if it's not this book, then that's not the same thing. It's not bad. It's just not the same thing. Right? Well, prayer life can be that way, too. When you ask someone, so tell me about your prayer life. So, you know, well, how do you pray? They'll often default to, you know, one, like me, it's the weakest part of my spiritual walk and I'm trying to figure it out. Or they'll make this very general statement, well, I pray without ceasing. Well, bully for you. You know what they mean by that? They mean I don't really pray. Now, now that's, I know, I just offended some of you because there are some of you, that's true. There are people, and I know a few of them, that literally pray, or they pray when they walk into a store. They pray when they walk into their home. They pray before, when someone is speaking to them. Half of their mind is praying. What do I answer this person? And those are all good and well, and I need to get better at that. I just mean that we default to, just like we do maybe in the Word, of, well, I'm reading this book, or I'm doing this study, we default to, well, I pray without ceasing, which simply really translated means I don't really pray very much, but it's, I just say that I'm talking to God all the time because that makes me feel better about talking to God. We should be praying without ceasing. It was our invocation passage today. But what about that focused, intense time of prayer? Is just like we should take the word with us throughout the day, that word that we take with us, as Sean so beautifully talked about, should flow from our time with him in the morning. The same thing is true with our prayer life. Our praying without ceasing should flow out of our intentional time of prayer in the morning. And you say, well, I don't really see that in Scripture. We're not going to turn there. But if you look in your toolkit, on, the, on one section there's a list of Scripture. Many of them talk about being up early to pray. If you want one, Mark one thirty-five. Some of the guys in this room can probably quote it because I beat them over the head with it a few times. Early in the morning, while it, is still, while it was still dark, Jesus went to a secluded place alone and was praying there. If he wanted to get up early to pray to his father, I'd probably do too. Mark one thirty-five. So with that, let's turn to today's passage and look at what the key to this victorious Christian life is. Today's passage, if you didn't know, is Philippians 4. If you don't know, shame on you for not being in the toolkit. Because if you're in the toolkit, like a good Christian, here at Cornerstone, I'm speaking in... Sarcasm, which is one of my spiritual gifts, sadly. Thank you for not saying amen, ladies. I appreciate the ladies that live in my home. Um, grace, that's right, grace. 
Let's look at the key to the passage before we start. The passage starts in verse 4 for us today, but we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. It's, today's, it's, the, it's the memory verse for this week. Be anxious for nothing. So Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, or by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would have that memorized by the end of the week. Here's what he means by that. Be anxious for nothing. Be an- be anxious, being anxious, he's saying, don't be worried, don't be concerned, and it has the nuance to it in the Greek of about some danger or mishap that might occur. Like, in other words, something you don't know about that you're, worried, that you're, that you're fearful of. He's saying, don't, guys, don't live in that. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious, he's telling us. It's, it's, it's what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 25. He says, and who by worrying can add a single day to their life? And you say, well, wait a second. What does that have to do with prayer? Well, it's so funny because Sean didn't know I was going to have this verse on here, but a few verses later in Luke 12, he says... So don't, don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Instead, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Pray. Now he says, be anxious, Paul says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. What does the word everything mean? Guess what the word everything means here? Everything. It, it just means everything. All of it, all of your life, all of the time, be, lift all of it up. So there's no, there's no prayer too small and no prayer too big for God to handle and for God to care about. But what, what does that, what ha- he's telling us to do something. Okay, so be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Okay, thanks, Paul. Right? And, and what's going to happen? Well, we're going to receive the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the victorious Christian life I want because that's not where I live. Well, how do we get there? Well, we get there, he says, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and petition. That's making prayer and supplication. Supplication is just making a request to God. He's saying, so, don't be anything. Instead, pray about everything. Supplicate, petition God about everything. And then, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. In your bulletin, there's a handout that talks about that it's ACTS. It's an acronym for praying. Adoration. First, praise God for who he is. Confess. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then thanking for what he's done in your life. And then supplication is the S in the ACTS acronym. Supplication is then... The problem is I jump. I might praise him. Adoration. I usually want to skip the confession part, and we'll get there in a minute. And I, want, and I might give him lip service in the thanks, God, and then I immediately start running through my list of petitions. Right? My, my prayer list, my... And, and we, we need to be more balanced in our prayer life than that. But he does promise peace if we'll do this. What is the secret to living this victorious Christian life? Because all of that so far, and we're, you know, however far into the service, um, is introduction. So let's get to the first verse of our passage. In Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known among all men. This, the Lord is near. I'm going to tell you right now, those two verses completely stress me out. They do. 
do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, thanks, Paul. You know what rejoice means? It means be joyful. All the time. Hey, if you didn't like it the first time, Doug, rejoice. I'm like, come on! Really? And then, he, and then as if, to, and then as if just to, to give me a shot in the gut, he goes, oh, and by the way, don't just be joyful. Rejoice, but be gentle. Oh, man. Like, like see, I mean, if you've been here very long, you know, joyful and gentle are not words that describe Doug. And, and yet he's like, so it's, it's pessimism and some version of sarcastic agitation are probably more what describe me, sadly. And yet here he is, he's telling us, rejoice, be glad, and be gentle. Be gentle as an overflow of just who you are. Well, how do you, the only way Doug's ever going to get there is by spending time with him in the word, and also in prayer. Just bathing in who he is that I would become more like him. Look at, so you say, wait a minute, that, 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 that seems like a stretch to me. No, that's exactly Paul's answer. Well, we started in verses 6 and 7. So he says, rejoice always, pray, or, or, I'm sorry, he says, rejoice always, again I say rejoice, and then, he's, and then he says, be gentle, and then he finishes it up with, and the, because the Lord is near, and then guys, it's, it's a continuation of a thought to Paul. He's not going, here's a great thing in verses 4 and 5, now let's look at verses 6 and 7. He's saying, and the Lord is near. Oh, by the way, because the Lord is near, and you're to be gentle, and be anxious for nothing. In everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then, Doug, guess what? You will be joyful. You will be gentle. Guys, do you want to live a life of joyous praise? Then pray. We gotta pray. We can't. We we can't. And I say this. I, I, it, it's so. So I, we we can't just be in the Word of God. I say that, and I just go. I can't believe this word just came out of my mouth because of just how I resonate with the Word. But guys, we have to pray if we want to be joyful and gentle. We have to be prayerful. Prayer is proclaimed proof we have come to the end of ourselves. Prayer is proclaimed proof we have come to the end of ourselves. I want to give you an example in Scripture of that. We're going to come back here to, to Philippians, so keep your finger here somehow, but find Psalm 23. Because another great way to pray is to pray through the Psalms. To pray through a psalm. And Psalm 23 is a great example of, of one. It's, an, it's another one I do. If I don't pray through the Lord's Prayer, another thing I'll do in, in a morning is I'll just pray through Psalm 23. Psalm, the psalms are towards the middle of your Bible, so if you, if hopefully you'll find them there um, towards the middle of your Bible, at, past the Proverbs, um, if you're heading back to the left. Psalm 23 is written by David. He was a shepherd. But guys, I want, you to, I want you to listen to this and think about how this might help you live a life of joyous praise, even as I just kind of model what it might look like to pray through a psalm. To pray through a psalm. So in Psalm, we're going to start in verses 1 through the first part of verse 3. So pray along with me so that you can say amen at the end. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
So Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth that, God, I thank you that in the, in the middle of my agitation and my busyness, you make me lie down. But I thank you that you lead us beside quiet waters. So that we can be reminded that it's not in our agitation that we reflect you. It's in the stillness of your Spirit's sovereign hand in our heart that we find peace and joyous praise. And Lord, I thank you that you do restore our souls, God. That we find our soul rest in you alone. He guides me on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, I thank you that as my good shepherd, you are my direction, you lead me, you lead your people, you are the good shepherd, and you protect us. You are also gentle and loving even as you are mighty to save. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Father, I thank you that if we, if you're sitting... If we are in this room right now and we are your sons, saved saints, our cup overflows. No matter what we may think our reality is right now, our spiritual reality, our eternal reality, is an overwhelming, overflowing, grace-filled cup. How can we not be joyful? Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I thank you for that reality that that is where we find our hope. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In his name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. And guys, I'm going to pray that through Psalm 23 tomorrow morning and it would look very different. I just pray until one of those phrases hits me and I just start talking to God about it. It might be, every, and just like with the Lord's Prayer, it might be a different phrase each time that God, that the Spirit impresses upon my heart, but that's what I will focus, that's what God will use to focus my prayer life to Him on. But I'm not just blabbing the same old things about the same old things. I'm, I'm allowing His Word to be impressed upon my heart that His Spirit would allow me to speak it back to Him and then apply it to my life. Look at our next point. Go back to Philippians. Look at our next part, verse 8 of Philippians. Now remember where we just were. He finishes verse 7 with, and the peace of God, verse 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your 
your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now look at his next thought. I just chopped it up, but in Paul's writing, he didn't chop it up. He's like, and, and in view of this, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, of good repute, if there's any excellency, and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. He's like, man, guys, focus your attention on things that are glorious. Because God is glorious. Because your salvation is glorious. Is your thought life predominantly positive or negative? Because when people say pray without ceasing, often what they mean is what I'm thinking about throughout the day. And, and again, there are people that are really, really good at that. I'm not one of them. I, I'm praying that I would get better at that. But guys, the problem is, most of the time, if all we're focused on is our own thoughts, the enemy is so good at twisting our thoughts that most of our thoughts are negative in their approach. What's been done wrong to me? What problems do I have coming up? What issue? That, that's why there's so much talk about don't worry, don't be anxious. Don't, but he's saying, guys, guard your hearts and minds. What's going to guard your hearts and minds? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. That's what guards our hearts and minds so that we can focus on the things that are just and commendable. The things that are good and lovely and beautiful. Guys, you talk to yourself more than anyone else does. You give yourself counsel more than any other person does. What are you saying to yourself? When you get done with the conversation, are you better or worse for it? And I've shared countless times of where I am the latter. I am worse for it. I'm out there, I no longer mow the lawn because Emma mows the lawn for me now, but I'm out there doing yard work, I'm out there doing something, and I'm arguing with one of you about what you are or are not doing right. And then I come in the house, and I'm wonderful to my wife. No. Why? Because it's not possible! It is not possible! It is not possible to walk around having a negative thought life, thinking about negative things, looking at, I'm not even talking about evil, disgusting things like pornography or, or movies that, that just are, are going to just suck you into a hole of darkness. Or, or, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about just the common conversations you have in your head. You cannot have negative conversations in your head and have a positive outlook on the Lord. You can't. And yet, the reverse is also true, praise God. When we take it to him, when we are anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and petition, we give it to him because he died to take it. He's like, man, it, it, it changes your whole perspective. And as my brother Jesse says, that's our problem. We have a perspective problem. So we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and on to God. Because if we spend, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If we spend more time telling and tasking God, tasking God, than seeking and asking God, we are not healthy in our life. If most of your prayer life is a punch list of all of the things you perceive as problems, 
in your life or in other people's lives, even if they're like prayer requests for people that are struggling, and those are, we all, you know, we have those in our family, and we're praying for unsafe family, we're praying for those that are sick, and we're, all those things are, are good and right. And there's examples of those in the toolkit of how to do that better. But guys, if all we're doing is presenting our tasks, here's what I need you to do for me today, God. Instead of asking him, Lord, what would you have me do for you today? Lord, just show me your glory. Because it's going to change my whole outlook. And some of those problems on my prayer list are just going to go away. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to take the time, because I think it's worth it. Find Daniel in the Bible. Not Daniel here. He's sitting right there. But find, it's like, find Walt. Where's Waldo? Daniel. He's right there. Find Daniel in the Bible. Start moving to the left. You're going to go past the Gospels, past the, you know, get into the Old Testament. You're going to see a whole bunch of little minor prophets. They're called Daniel is the, the last of what are called the major prophets. If you get to Ezekiel or Isaiah, you've blown, or Jeremiah, you've blown past Daniel. Go back to the right again. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 9. And guys, in, in light of what's going on in our country right now, what's going on in some of our lives right now, what Jeff and Jeff prayed about in the invocation passage about the upcoming election on Tuesday. Pray, guys, pray that our people, that God's people would rise up and vote biblically. What I mean by that is vote for things and for people that will stand for what God stands for. Life is something God stands for. Justice is something God stands for. So vote for those people. Daniel lived 600 years before Christ was born. He's in a completely pagan culture. No matter how bad our society has gotten, his was worse. I promise. Look at his prayer. In the first year, I'm just starting in verse, in verse 1, and I want you to, in light of what's going on in our country, guys, this is, this is why, I'm going to back up a step, sorry. This is why I want to take the time to do this, because this is a prayer Sunday. Guys, this is one of the ways you can pray. There are great prayers in the Bible. Daniel prays them. David prays them. Solomon prays them. Moses prays them. Hannah prays them. Find those great prayers and just read them back to God. That is an awesome way to pray. So together, you are going to pray. Well, no, I'm going to say that. Together, we are going to pray with Daniel. And at the end, say amen. So here's Daniel in this pagan culture. In the first year of Darius, the son of a hearse of Ahasuerus of Midian descent, he was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books of the numbers of the years that was what, which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. So he's referring back to what Jeremiah said, the prophet, for the complete for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. All he's saying here is he's saying, I found God's word in, the, in what we know as the prophet of the book of Jeremiah, and it said that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed 70 years. So I gave him some hope. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications. There are those words again. Paul uses them. With fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. That's that one I always want to skip. Confessed. Confession. You're going to see this in Dan- as, as we pray with Daniel. You're going to see this man of God who, who never sees sin. I mean, we know he did. But like, he's like perfect. He's not like David or Abraham 
all these other giants of the faith. That, that, I mean, David was like this, and, and yet he is confessing. Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We, not, not they, we have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to your kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame as it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away and all the countries where you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they committed against you. Open shame, the law, guys, just, I mean, come on. Like, if, it, it, like how, how do you not see where we're at in this prayer? How do we not see the word of God as relevant in a prayer like this? Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings and princes and fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for you have, we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants and prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice, so the curse has been poured out on us along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses and the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus we have confirmed his word which, we, which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring us into great calamity for under the whole heaven it has, it has not been done anything like what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all of this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. And so, Father, right now in this moment, that's what we're doing. We are turning our mind's attention and our heart's affection to you, and we're confessing that we, not they, we have sinned and not stood for you in your word. Help us to shine. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought, us, and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is, a righteous, is righteous with respect to all deeds which have been done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned and have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let us now... Let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become the reproach to all around us. And I get these last three verses. So now, oh, you want to learn how to pray? Daniel was a prayer. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications, and for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city that is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, oh, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people are called by your name. Father, I just pray that you would strengthen your church. 
and that we would remember that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Back to Philippians. And we'll begin to see how Paul ends this time. In Philippians, in verse 9, I've got to find it now too. He says, The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I like how he runs through this list. He says, These things that you've learned and heard and seen, received. And what he's saying to us in the church is he's saying, Guys, everything you've heard me say and seen me do, do it! Just do it! He said, just do what I did. Guys, if, if we want to live a life of joyous praise, if we want to live a life of thoughtful purity like Daniel, if we want to live a life of godly practice like Paul is saying here, let's say to somebody, follow me as I follow Christ, we have to pray. Remember what he says? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's saying, this, this is how I learned to do what I did. Turn, if you would, one last place we're going to turn in Scripture. It's just a couple of pages. The, the letter next to Philippians is Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 1. Here's another great prayer. Ephesians is full of great prayers. But one of them is in verse, I'm going to start in verse 15 through the first part of 19. Paul says this. For this reason, I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord which exists among you and, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, which may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. The rest of chapter 1 and, and most of chapter 3 is another great prayer that you could read later and pray back to God. But guys, Paul is praying for others. So we're going to take a minute because one of the other things you can do is you can pray for others. He said, I already do that. I've got my prayer list. I know who I'm praying for. Here's what I'm, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. We're going to take a minute. I'll actually be quiet for just a minute. Jesus said this in Luke 6. But I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who persecute you. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm not going to pray it. You're going to pray. I want you to right now, before the Lord, ask him to reveal to you one or two people who you have no desire to pray for. And pray.
It is when we can genuinely pray for those that we don't even genuinely like that I think we're closest to Jesus Christ. And all we need to do to be convicted of that and to be encouraged in that is remember Jesus laying on his cross as they put the nails in his hands and he's thinking about you and he's thinking about me and he had every right to say get him dad get him they deserve it and instead he says my father forgive them for they know not what they do That, my friends, is grace. We're going to finish up the passage. Paul brings all of this to a close, and he says, But I, in verse 10 of Philippians 4, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, or that I've learned to be content with whatever circumstances, but I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I know how to get along with humble, with humble means, and, how, and I know how to get along with prosperity. And in, every, in, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How did Paul learn that? Through suffering. How did Paul practice that? I believe this passage shows us through prayer. If you don't know Paul's life, you don't understand what it means to live in steadfast perseverance. And I'm not going to go through all of his suffering. He does in 2 Corinthians 11, but if you remember in 2 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to close it with this and ask the music team to come up. He says this, concerning the Lord, concerning this, concerning the suffering that he had, I implored the, I implored the Lord three times. What does that mean? I prayed to God. I, I begged God three times, just like Jesus did in the garden, that it might leave me. And Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weaknesses, Paul. So Paul's like, man, then, then I'm going to gladly boast in my weaknesses, for when I am weak, he is strong. Guys, get this. Your weakness is a magnet for his strength. Your weakness is a magnet for his grace. That's why in prayer, we can come to the Lord right now and say, Lord, there is stuff in my life I just cannot seem to get victory in. There are people in my life I I cannot seem to forgive. But I don't need to hide those things. You already know them. I need to bring them to you. For when I bring them to you and I confess it before you and I, and I it is there at the foot of the cross where I lay my burden down. that I find your grace 
more than sufficient for all of that. Father, I know there are people in this room that that do not know the the sweet, loving grace of Jesus Christ. Because they're trying to carry it all, they're trying to get it all done in their own strength. They're too prideful to say, I am too weak, I can't. But until we come to you saying, I am just a broken mess. How can we really taste your grace? So, Father, I pray that we would be a praying people and see the face of God. In Jesus' name, amen.